Hello and welcome back to the Rocky Mountain MyRac Short Takes on Suicide Prevention Podcast. I'm Melissa McCarg, and today I would like to extend a warm welcome to Dr. Barbara Van Dalen. She's the founder and president of Given Hour, which provides veterans, service members, and their families with free mental health services. And to date, over 7,000 providers have donated upwards of 200,000 hours of mental health care. And today in this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about Given Hour, as well as the Campaign to Change Direction, which is a really terrific effort to make mental health care and wellness as much a part of the conversation as physical illness. Um, Good morning, Barbara, and I'd really like to thank you for taking the time to join us today. Well, thank you, and good morning, Melissa, and thank you for covering this important work that we do and and the work that you do through this podcast. Absolutely. We're very happy to have you given our as one of our favorite organizations. Let's just jump right in. And to start, I'm wondering if you could share a little bit of your own background and speak to your connection with this work. Sure. So I'm a clinical psychologist. I'm actually a child psychologist by background and training. I grew up in uh, rural California. My father was a veteran of World War II. He actually lied about his age to join the Navy um, right after Pearl Harbor. He was a first-generation American and um, cared you know, deeply for his country. And so he joined the Navy, and that was long before I was born. But he saw a lot of, of very difficult, challenging things. I, I don't even know really what he went through. He didn't really talk about that. And um, so it's hard for us to piece together. But we we do know, looking back sort of through my um, my childhood, adolescent, and conversations that I had with him, that you know, he saw some pretty difficult things. I think that he uh, suffered from um, post-traumatic stress, not a debilitating um, version of, but it certainly affected him. So that's that's a piece of my background. Um, my dad was an amazing um, father and just influenced me in so many wonderful ways about service and honor and integrity. The other really important part of my dad was really what he did soon after I was born. Uh, my mother, who my dad met and married after World War II, uh, was by all accounts a wonderful uh, mother to my three older brothers, very vivacious and um, active and went took the boys fishing with my dad and 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 all was going well. My dad had this, you know, his American dream uh, was to move his young family to rural California. He grew up in Los Angeles. He wanted to give my brothers um, and my mom this sort of idyllic life moving to the country. What he didn't know, what he couldn't know, moving my mom around the time that she was pregnant with me seems to, again, you know, it's hard to go back in history to understand all the factors, but regardless of what all the contributors were, soon after I was born, and here we were now in this, you know, new part of California, away from her social support system, she had a psychotic break, uh, was later diagnosed as schizophrenic. And so there my dad was um, in rural California with three little boys, a baby girl, and a wife who had pretty severe mental illness. And so for the next several years, he tried to get her help. And there wasn't a whole lot of help available to begin with. And they were in the rural part of the state. And and she, like a lot of people who were suffering, she didn't really understand 
didn't want to to stay on the medications that I'm sure you know made her feel very you know uncomfortable or bad. And so eventually they split up after I think eight years after that um, initial break, and uh, she sort of disappeared from my life. And my father uh, took care of us, and and on life went. So that really set the stage for me wanting to become a psychologist, wanting to learn about mental illness, and also my profound um, respect for the men and women who serve our country and, um, you know, their character, their leadership, because there were, we're, there are certainly a lot of, of um, people who would not have uh, done what my dad did, which was basically, you know, he was a dad, very traditional dad, and he had to become a dad and a mom to four small kids to take care of us and to raise us. So, um, so that's what really led me to create Given Hour um, just about 13 years ago. I was living in Washington, D.C. Um, during 9-11, and that really was the impetus for me um, to create an organization that would provide free mental health care to those who serve and their families. But it was my dad who influenced me and really set the stage and and the the situation with my mother um, that led me to this field to begin with. Well, I I appreciate you sharing that. I think it really illustrates the connection you have and and also the, the very evident passion you have for the work you are doing as well. Thank you. Yeah. Well, moving on, I was able to watch a video um, with you in it, kind of talking about the creation of Given Hour, a little bit like you just described here, as well as the Change Direction campaign. And I was really interested in this idea you kind of brought up about increments and building a larger kind of cumulative change through small steps, kind of like what you built with Given Hour with providers donating an hour at a time. And I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more to this idea and what role specifically it could potentially play in moving past fear. Well, you know, the the, the issues that we face in, in um, our country and, you know, specifically focused on issues related to mental health challenges and the lack of, of available care, the lack of successful or effective treatments or approaches, people get overwhelmed um, with, you know, well, it's just too big of a challenge to face. And people in the mental health community, advocates, uh, consumers, it's understandable and easy to feel like, you know, there's really, we just have to kind of do our best. And, And I really believe that we can change the culture, change the way we think about, talk about, address, mental health, mental illness, emotional well-being, I really believe we can create a completely different way that our society thinks about and responds to these issues. And so it's the small steps. It's asking providers to give one hour. That's all you got to do, one hour a week. Um, Collectively, that allows us to now, we've given over 220,000 hours of free care to service members, their families. And so that opportunity to ask everybody to do just a little bit, whether you're a mental health professional, whether you're a family member, whether you're a community leader, and that really does drive sort of what I build and, and how I build it because it otherwise we it's easy to get overwhelmed by the magnitude of these issues and these challenges. And it's the same thing with suicide prevention. 
something that we all want to do, but to get from there, from where we are now to that can potentially be overwhelming. Absolutely. I, I agree 100%, and I think we see this, as you say, a lot um, in the suicide prevention field as well. So let's talk a little bit more about what opportunities Given Hour and Change Direction might offer for veterans as well as providers, um, because this organization offers many opportunities, both for providers, which we have a, a great many listening to our podcast, but as well as veterans. Could you tell us a little bit more about Given Hour for those who may not be quite as familiar with it? And what are some of the opportunities that might be there, both for clinicians and for veterans and service members, as well as their families? So Given Hour is a very, the other thing that, it's a very simple concept. It, that's something else that my brain seems to do with complex situations. <laughs> I, I I go very simple because that's that's how it makes it easy for me to tackle something, and, and that's how we've built both um, Given Hour and the Campaign to Change Direction. So Given Hour is a national nonprofit that provides free mental health care to those who serve their families and their communities, period. That's what we do. We do that in a bunch of different ways. At the core is really the invitation that um, we have put out to the mental health community. There's about 400,000 mental health professionals all over the country doing different kinds of work, psychologists, psychiatrists, social workers, pastoral counselors, substance abuse, licensed marriage and families, LPC, lots of great folks with great skills. And frankly, I'd like all of them to give an hour. That's my goal. Someday it will just be automatic. You get your license, you sign up for give an hour, and you give your hour to one of a number of different groups in need. And we can talk a little bit about how give an hour is expanding. But we began by asking people to give to those who serve in their families. And so people go on to our website, they sign up, it's very easy, it just takes a couple of minutes, you put in what your areas of expertise are, because from the beginning, we have built this so that it's easy for our providers. We ask them to give what they already have. Plus, we provide a ton of training opportunities, online, in person, free CEUs. We wanna make it easy for them to give, but they can give with what they've already got to give. There isn't any additional training required because we provide care for family members too. So everyone doesn't have to be trained to see a combat veteran. Everyone doesn't have to have experience with the military. You might end up seeing a child of a service member, or you might provide telehealth to the mother of another service member, or you might consult to a homeless program that happens to serve veterans. There's so many different things. You might give a talk to a school about trauma um, so that the school understands what the children who, whose parents have gone to war might be facing. So many different ways for providers to give. And we ask that folks give an hour a week, but they may not be called every week. Most of them are not. And when they're called, if it fits into their schedule and it's something they can do, great. If not, that's okay, too. We give providers an opportunity to get out in their community, to give talks, to volunteer at events where we have um, either an, it's one of our events or we're partnering with the National Guard or the Department of Veterans Affairs or any other organization. So there's tremendous number of ways. And I think that's partly why our providers love joining Given Hour because it's easy for them it gives them an opportunity to give back, to serve. I had one provider speak recently at a conference, and he was asked, you know, why, why have you done this for all these years? And he said, because I'm able to just do what I love. I don't have to worry about 
the insurance coverage, the payment, the, you know, is the person, you know, how many more sessions before I have to re-up or renegotiate? He said, it's sort of this pure form of the work that I love doing for a population that I feel um, it, I'm passionate about and that I feel that they deserve this opportunity to heal. So that's on the provider side. And then for veterans, military family members, and just regular old citizens, we have all kinds of opportunities for people to get involved. Um, we're actually doing more and more work with um, social media. Uh, we have a whole team that does that, but a lot of our volunteers help with the social media. They help at events. They'll help with translating our documents into whether Spanish or other languages. There's all kinds of ways that somebody who is interested and cares can get involved with our veterans. One of the things that we're now doing through our initiative, which I know we're going to talk about, the Campaign to Change Direction, our military personnel, their families, our veterans and their families are actually helping us by leading the way and driving culture change. They they can speak very um, honestly about their experiences and the need for changing the way we think about and talk about mental health. So one of our partner organizations is the VFW. VFW is a massive organization of veterans and their families. And they are holding events all over the country, bringing people together to talk about mental health. So that's just one example of how our veteran organizations have also become part of this national effort to change how we think about, talk about, and address mental health so that everyone is more easily able to seek and receive care. Yeah, that is terrific. I did see that online, especially a lot with the Facebook post, just as you're talking about with the family members and the organizations for veterans doing exactly what you talk about, posting online, holding events around mental health, and it it was wonderful seeing that. Thank you. Yeah, it makes it so that people can get in how, where, when, they want to, because that's again that goes back to the incremental. It's like if we if we harness them all and invite them all in to do the piece that makes sense for them, then then we can do this. It it allows people to contribute in the way that makes sense, rather than it feeling like you know just uh, an overwhelming burden or a heavy lift that they can't do. Right. Yeah. It sounds like it's a it's an opportunity f- for that person professionally and personally as well. Absolutely. And and they grow from it and they feel good about it and it that's what we want. We want it to be good for, for everyone involved. I, I had someone reach out recently and said that it was through the act of getting involved and, and giving and volunteering and participating, they were able to sort of get out of their own pain, focus on others and trying to reach others and it was really an important part of their own recovery, which was lovely to hear. That is, that's wonderful. Well, let's move on and talk a little bit more, like as you said, besides Given Hour, you also are kind of spearheading the Change the Direction campaign. And I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit more about that. How did that start? And what is the overall vision for Campaign to Change Direction? So after building and and running Given Hour for several years, probably eight, it started to 
as a psychologist, this, it wasn't a new idea that I had, but it was very um, pronounced. It was very apparent to me that here we were building this wonderful organization. People were giving their time. We were providing help and care, but we kept seeing over and over and over the primary barrier for people to get and receive care is really the way they feel or they perceive others feel about that care. So the the barriers to care is really this negative view that many people have about seeking mental health care, needing mental health care, wanting it, the whole range. Now, I'm I'm avoiding the word stigma, even though that's what people typically refer. This is sort of the stigma issue because Frankly, stigma now has a stigma, and so when you when you talk about stigma, people kind of shut shut off. It's like, well, that's about them. It's about people who have this issue. So we don't really talk much about stigma. The the work which um, developed a couple of years ago, the campaign to change direction, is is really a public health approach. The focus, the goal, is to literally change the culture around mental health. So. Here I was building this and, again, sort of having this awareness that it's the culture that gets in the way. It's the way we think about something that is is part of all of us. We all have mental health every single day. Sometimes it's great, sometimes not so much, sometimes, you know, terrible, depending on all kinds of factors, who we are, what we've experienced, our genetic predisposition, how our physical health is, all of that. So that was sort of bouncing around in my head in 2012. And then our nation faced another horrific trauma, the Sandy Hook shootings in Connecticut. Mm -hmm. Devastating. Um, uh, Most of us remember where we were when we heard what had happened. I certainly do. And um, I just was horrified and so sad. And there were many people here in Washington where I live who started focusing and talking about gun control, which, you know, very important part of the conversation. But other people, fortunately, were also focused on mental health and what what are we missing? What what are we not doing? What more can be done? So the vice president's office reached out to me and said, look, you know, you've done this great work in the mental health space. We worked closely with the administration, so we we all knew, you know, staffers and, and um folks on the the team we worked together on in the military and veteran space so they said what what else do we need to do what else could we do and the president hosted president obama hosted the first uh national conference on mental health i was so proud that here was a president of the united states was having a, a national gathering around mental health and i was honored to be asked to speak at that and that was the beginning of this idea that we really have to tackle the culture if we're ever going to get there. So I put together a steering committee of you know a handful of people that I know and trust, some from the corporate space, some from other nonprofit work, and we met for a couple of years. It, very quickly, we came to the decision, okay, we know what the answer is. The answer is the culture has to change. The question is, how do we get there? What does that look like? How do we do that? So that's what really the bulk of the work was around coming up with the plan. So this moved forward. We had our our launch event in March of 2015. First Lady Michelle Obama served as our keynote. 
We had 50 partners at the time. Now we have over 400. And this is a public health effort. This is similar to bringing the message around um, heart attack. Everybody knows the signs of a heart attack. We all know that we're supposed to do things for our heart health. That applies to everybody, not people at high risk, not people who have had some injury or illness that could make their heart more susceptible. Everybody. Everybody should know those signs. Everybody should know what to do. So that's what we launched in 2015. That is what the Campaign to Change Direction is all about. We started with a common language. Just like we know the signs of a heart attack and now we're learning the signs of a stroke, we can learn those five signs of emotional suffering. There's a lot of signs that tell us that somebody's in pain, but these five, if you see them or you see a couple of them and they're severe or significant, it's time to reach out and connect and and talk to this person that you love, that you care about, a friend, a neighbor, and find out what's going on. It moved this whole conversation from mental health to public health. It moved it from diagnosis, because frankly, I don't really care what the diagnosis is. If somebody's in pain, our job should be to step in and say, I see you're in pain. I see these things. I'm concerned about you. Uh, I want to help. And then ultimately you and that person together or you and the family or the family and you. However, we can wrap around and find out what that person needs and and how to get care for them. So that's the basic premise. It's let's all learn how how to recognize the signs when somebody is suffering and let's get involved when we see it. And recently we launched the second piece of the public health campaign. First was Know Those Five Signs. Now we're focused on, I mean, we're going to continue to do that and are doing that. But the other piece of it is we also want to encourage everyone to learn the healthy habits of emotional well-being. Again, what everybody can do, things that all of us should be doing that we don't often think are things that are connected to our emotional health and well-being. And you can hear and your listeners will hear, this is, again, very simple concepts, very um, uh, easy to generalize for all people. They apply to all conditions. It moves it out of the judgment, uh, diagnosis, pathology, and more about all of us. And so far, we're seeing tremendous uh, receptivity, interest. Um, it's not a uh, it's not a program that has deep curriculum, so it doesn't interfere with all the other great stuff that's going on. It's just the overarching time to change the culture. And here are some very simple ways we can create a common language where we can do that. That's terrific. And I want to point out that we will include links on our with along with a podcast that will absolutely um give you some materials talking about those five signs of emotional pain as well as the the updated five signs of emotional health so people can explore that more along with a podcast. And I'd like to kind of talk a little bit more about this the campaign to change direction and the public health mm-hmm. approach which to me kind of seems to take mental health both out of the shadows and also kind of the ivory tower. And it seems like a very practical and also creative approach. And I'm wondering, what do you see as some of the key methods or approaches this campaign takes to bring emotional health to the forefront? What are some of the ways you go about that? Well, I like what you said about it. You know, it it is intended to uh, make this a, a conversation that's possible, that's easier, um, that should be happening in all families, 
it moves it to the really basic level of health. This is about health and well-being. We have physical health. We have mental health. It's the same continuum. You can't have one without the other, truly, because they they affect each other. You can't have healthy relationships if you yourself are not pretty solid. That doesn't mean that people don't struggle. We all struggle. That's the other part of this. You know, we're we're moving it from the us versus them. Um, my mom, who was diagnosed with schizophrenia, she didn't ask for that. She didn't do anything to deserve that. It it completely shattered her life. Um, she spent I don't even know how many years homeless. We we lost track of her. I didn't see her for 43 years, and most of that time I wasn't looking for her. Because I was embarrassed and I was ashamed of, oh my gosh, my mother is mentally ill, as if it was her fault or my fault, and it was neither. So these, just like in the old days, people would be shunned or pushed out for a physical illness. We do that to people who have these challenges, these conditions, who struggle, who've been traumatized, who haven't had the benefit of of loving, supportive family or their, their genetic load creates this predisposition and and all of a sudden they're they're suffering and struggling and we don't as a society we just don't handle that very compassionately and this movement is all about doing that it's all about owning it embracing it it's all of us it's part of us and most importantly there's so much we can do to help people heal and recover and function um it's just striking to me how if we are able to do this, how much money we will save for our states and our federal government, how many lives we'll save, how many people who who have so much to offer will again be able to be productive citizens. It's like, well, why wouldn't we do this? Absolutely. And and as you were talking, I'm remembering some of the uh, methods that I've seen just looking around, um, kind of exploring on the web that you've you've done to do that. I remember you had... um, have worked with a woman who created a song online with other with other people with lived experience, which I found so creative and so wonderful. Like you said, kind of drawing people in in a natural kind of organic way, and also working with with businesses and employers. You know, kind of reaching out in all all angles in society. Well, this has been one of the most beautiful things about doing this work so far. No one has said no. Everyone says yes, and here's what I can do. Um, you referenced Yashi Brown, a dear friend whose um, uncle was Michael Jackson. Oh, and wow. Yashi created this um, poem that was several, uh, hundreds and hundreds of people submitted different lines. And they, it was a collective poem, which was very beautiful and powerful. We have another group of, of artists, singers, who are putting together a compilation CD. We didn't ask them to. They're They're doing this because they believe in this. We've had major stars step up and do PSAs for us, Richard Gere, um, First Lady Michelle Obama, Dr. Jill Biden, Prince Harry did a, a PSA for us. I mean, People care deeply. Chris Stapleton, the country music singer, wove our message into his first ever music video to get the, the word out. Wow. And then we're doing community um, partnerships. So the entire state of New Hampshire, for example, has adopted change direction. Governor proclaimed uh, on a certain day this past spring 
that um, it was, you know, a day to change direction. We were just out in Los Angeles. Los Angeles County did the same thing. So people see the simplicity and how they take it and run with it. We love it. We're like, just, you know, keep the branding so that it's, it keeps the message. That's how you change culture is you have a common language that everybody starts to understand. But beyond that, people are being wildly creative and, and we love it. It's, it's, it's a true movement in that respect. Yes, I, lo- I love that as well. And I just want to point out again that the, both the Gibbon Hour and the um, Change Direction websites have some really wonderful tools for people. And we'll, we'll definitely provide those links so that you can go online. You can see how easy actually it is to, to join, as Dr. Van Dalen is saying. And recently, let's talk a little bit about some of the transformations that's going on with, with Given Hour and Change of Direction. I know that there's going to be kind of an overhaul and update of the Given Hour website. Is that right? And could you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. I mean, as as uh, all organizations, you know, you build something and everybody gets busy with the work. And the next thing you know, you turn around and you go, wow, that's outdated. <laughs> because te- <laughs> technology moves at such a high rate of speed. And so we're very excited. Um, our new website launches sometime probably late June. It will be, you know, modernized with all the bells and whistles that are available now. And the Change Direction website, so Given Hour, Given Hour is the backbone organization uh, of the Campaign to Change Direction. It is our initiative. We just, we run it, we organize it. Lots of different groups have made the pledge to get involved and, and run with it. And they co-brand and we love that. But it's it's housed with us. And so that website that was built a couple of years ago is very modern and and has a lot of really great features. So building this new site will integrate Given Hour's site with the Campaign to Change Direction. And one of the things that we're doing, we launched a little over a year ago, is a new initiative, Join Given Hour to Change Direction. Because you can't have culture change if you don't have access to care for everyone in need. So now we're asking our providers, and this is what the new website will allow us to do very easily, join Given Hour, and you will be able to choose which population in need you want to give your hour to. Some people may say, I'll give it to any of these. So it'll always be our veteran service members and their families. That, that core part of what we do, we will continue to do. But there are other groups now that are approaching us because the model works. And so we're looking at how can we provide services to groups such as at-risk teens, victims of human trafficking, survivors of gun violence, at-risk senior citizens. So soon, um, later this summer, people will be able to go to to the Given Hour website, sign on, and, and say, I would be happy to provide my hour to any of these groups. And then once you, if you're a clinician and you're seeing a, a, a client who is one of those groups, well, then that's how you're using your hour. And then you're not going to be asked if you uh, tell us that you are, you know, full as it were, then that's what you're doing. But then when you finish there or you finish with that family or whoever you're working with, you can come back online and then you're available to um, see someone else. And so it, it allows providers to manage that one hour a week. Some of them do give more than an hour because they they want to, they choose to. But for those who feel really good about giving that one hour, it allows them to manage it and and choose which populations they feel really compelled to to serve. And it's we're very excited, and it'll allow us to track 
our donors and all kinds of great stuff and and push out social media in new and interesting ways. Technology is wonderful when it works, as we all know, um, and this will allow us to just do more as we are continuing to grow. That sounds terrific. I'm, I find it really exciting what you're talking about and the possibilities that are available, and I'm hoping that what we're talking about today might inspire um, not just clinicians, but like you say, um, almost anybody would have something to to be able to contribute. And I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit about, it seems that there's also possibilities out there for organizations and regional and even state partners, as you talked about, including New Hampshire. And I'm wondering if you could talk about if there might be a, a group or an organization, someone representing an organization who is listening, what you would tell them if they were considering um, perhaps pledging this type of support, and how would they go about doing that? Oh, we'd love for that to happen. We have... Um, I think right now we've, we're up to either eight uh, or more regional efforts and then lots of community efforts and the, the entire state of New Hampshire, as I said. And what that means basically is that either an individual or an organization contacts us through the uh, Change Direction website, changedirection.org, and says, hey, I want to be a regional partner. And when you go on the site, you'll see that, that individuals or organizations can make pledges, and those pledges are very simple. The, the basic pledge is two things. How are you helping us spread this critical information that everyone can know those five signs of emotional suffering? We want everybody to have that, that perception uh, in, their, in their awareness of emotional pain and suffering and, and move away from the, the sort of pathological view of mental illness, even, again, as we were talking earlier, those are important when it comes to the care and treatment, but we want people to tune in to somebody's pain. And then the other question that we ask to make the pledge is, what else are you doing to change the culture of mental health? And it could be anything. It could be, we're implementing this, you know, some program into our company, or we're now putting up signs in the community. We just, we want to engage people. How are you helping us educate everybody about the five signs, and what else are you doing in your community? Beyond that, if somebody wants to be a regional partner, then they contact us and say, hey, um, just like this group did in Indianapolis, I'm going out there for a regional launch in uh, the end of May, uh, I think right after Memorial Day. And a group found out about us and they said, you know what, we believe this, we want to get our community, we want everyone to learn those five signs, we want to in encourage everyone to speak about emotional well-being, mental health, mental illness. So they started to put together a steering committee they got a little bit of funding. Some of the funding comes to us to consult to them, to help build it. Most of it stays where they are to grow it. And they're off and running. And um, it's very simple. And it can be, again, any size that works for the individual. It could be somebody says, well, I want to do this within my company. Great. Here's some tools. Go ahead. Um, so if people visit the website, take a look around. There's all kinds of cool videos and tools. And it also makes it very clear. If you're interested in helping us grow this, uh, come on in. We're, we're delighted to have you put your unique, creative spin brand on what that might look like. I, I went to a, a community launch event in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. It was wonderful. It was in the fall. They had pumpkins decorated like the five signs. It was, oh, wow. <laughs> That's true. It was so creative. <laughs> it, it really allows people to get involved and... and uh, you know, show us what they know in terms of messaging. Absolutely. I love that. 
Well, we, we're going to have to start winding down now, but I, I just want to hopefully throw out the possibility that you um, might be able to come back and do a follow-up podcast sometime in the future and talk a little bit more with us. As you can tell, you get me started. It's hard for me to stop talking, but I'd be happy to come back. <laughs> we would love to have you. That's awesome. Just a couple more questions then before we end for today. Another kind of theme that I noticed that I, I really liked hearing, looking into what you were saying about give an hour and change the direction, it kind of has to do with the idea of challenging your own personal and professional and also kind of a more meta-level societal comfort zones in order to make real progress. So I'm just going to give you this opportunity, and if you had a chance to go out on a limb, um, where would you like to challenge kind of either the mental health field or society as a whole when it comes to the status quo and mental health? What what needs to be happening that isn't happening now? That's a great it's a great observation about what we're doing and it's a it's a great question. I mean I, I'm a psychologist. I believe I love my profession. I believe in what we do. Uh we are needed. Those of us who have the training, there are a lot of people who really benefit. It saves their lives. It uh, I you know, I was a clinician who saw, you know, a full caseload for weeks and weeks and years and years before I started um given hour, um, I saw had two offices and, and saw children and families and individuals. And I know that the work we did together saves people's lives and their relationships, and, and it's incredibly important. Having said that, there's so much we can do to bring emotional well-being, mental health knowledge, expertise to everyone. I think, I think unintentionally, our field... And again, it, totally unintentionally, it was not, there was not a design here to create part of the problem, but I think we accidentally did, that mental health professionals seem to um, feel still primarily that, you know, you have to be really careful about the, the knowledge or the information about yourself. Um, about your, your profession, about it's almost, it keeps it kind of mysterious. Um, there's a mystique around what, what is therapy? You know, what is counseling still? And I don't think we need that. In fact, I think it gets in the way more than it helps. That's not to say uh, that people shouldn't continue to be trained to make sure they're aware of what their issues and their blind spots are and keep those out of the way of the people they're healing. That's absolutely critical. So as a mental health professional, it's really important to me that if somebody is there working on themselves, I'm not talking about me and my challenges and my struggles and my needs. However, I certainly could, when appropriate, do a lot more to share that, you know what, that makes sense to me. I understand that. I, too, have been there, especially when I was trained. The message was mental health professionals should be pretty much a blank slate. You know, you don't share information. You don't reveal anything about yourself. And I think we need to look at that. I think we need to examine and explore and and train our young professionals when it's appropriate to be human with the people we are working with and um, how to do that. I think it it breaks down these barriers, these power differentials that, frankly, they just perpetuate. There are people who are healthy and there are people who are not. And, And that's not true. A lot of people who are the clinicians doing the work, they too might be suffering or struggling with something in their life. That doesn't mean they're not doing good work. They are. So why do we perpetuate this notion of sort of the us and them? 
And um, I, I think that our field as a whole is moving more in that direction, but we, we still have a long way to go. That's very interesting. And again, I would, I would very much like to follow up with you with a podcast and talk about that and, and some other topics along that line more. But in the, in the meantime, I'm wondering if you have any final thoughts or something that we haven't covered that we can cover in just a couple minutes before we wrap up for today. Well, I think you've, you asked some great questions, and, and it's been delightful to talk about this work. Um, and I guess the one thing that, that we've, we've talked about it, but it's probably at the, the heart and soul of everything that I do. And, and that really is the desire, the passion I have to move our society toward a, a place and a space that is more comfortable and compassionate with each other. I think if, if we educate our kids you know, about these things, about how to, to notice when they're hurting or when how to speak up when they see their sibling or a friend or mommy or daddy. If we, if we really move toward a language that has more of an emotional um, awareness and knowledge, and, and I think we've tried that, you know, tried to encourage that over decades. So we're not, we're not creating something new. We're just building on the great work that's already been done. But I, I feel like it's time. I feel like we can get there. Um, we would we would reduce so much suffering, and um, that's really what we're after. So I really encourage folks to take a look at Change Direction and give an hour, get involved, join us, help us, send us some great ideas, and together we can do this. Absolutely. I agree 100%. And like I said, give an hour has always been one of Rock Mountain Myrick's favorite organizations to work with whenever possible. And again, we very much appreciate you, you taking the time to do this, and we will look forward to uh, a follow-up podcast whenever that might happen. Absolutely. So, Thanks for taking the time. Oh, absolutely. So that's it for today's podcast. And again, please do check out those links that will be accompanying the podcast so you can learn all about the terrific tools that are available through both Given Hour and the Campaign to Change Direction. And as always, please do get in touch with us if you have any comments or feedback or questions. And if you can take a moment to subscribe to the Short Takes podcast, please do so and share it with others as well. And please do join us next time for more interviews related to suicide prevention, resilience, and other topics. That's it for today. Thanks.